Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30. We are so excited because this is a very special episode for us. We have a special guest, and I'm not going to do my usual intro because Cheryl happens to be right there live with our guest, and I'm going to let her take it away and introduce us. Yeah, I never get to do the intro. Not not that I want to. I prefer when you do it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm so excited. So we've been trying for probably, I don't know, almost a year now to yeah, so. to hook up with Eva from Siren Rock Brewing Company uh-huh. in um, Rockwall, Texas, which is a, I guess, do you call this a suburb yeah, of a Dallas? Suburb. Mm-hmm. suburb of Dallas. And uh, I have been here a couple times before, but never realized that it was owned by a female. And uh, and then- a female she, drunk divorcee. Yes, <laughs> yes. All, all the boxes to check off, all the great stuff. <laughs> Yes, and a diva. And there's even a beer named the Prima Diva, which is exactly what I'm drinking tonight. I'm so excited to uh, to finally get my hands on this beer that we have been wanting to try for months and months and months and is currently unavailable in San Antonio, but yeah. hopefully soon. Hopefully. Spread that market out that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just started pushing into Austin. That was so. going to be my next question, yeah. if it's available in Austin. Yeah, just in a few... Um, few places right now, I think we just started opening up Total Wine down there, but we're looking at HEB next. We're in HEBs up here. Oh, nice. But, yeah, but so we're looking at nice. there. So. That would be awesome because there are few and far between in the in the DFW area. Yeah, there's only a couple that have been opened. The uh, next location in McKinney is um, slated to open this summer. Nice. But and that'll be the third, third in the in, I know. Third in DFW, but there's also one kind of on the other side of Fort Worth. Um, it's a little bit out there, but so that's, I guess, kind of considered for it. Yeah. So to get in that market in San Antonio would be amazing oh, because huge. they're literally every mile, yeah. mile and a half. Yeah. yeah, they are everywhere. And it's uh, it's hard now for me being in Denton because the closest HEB is 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I love HEB, but- HEB. I was actually up there today um, at two, the two Dallas locations that are open right now because um, we'd have our beer in there, so I was just checking on them and making sure everything's going okay. And um, yeah, so. nice, nice. So I'm drinking the Prima Diva. What are you drinking? I am actually drinking a. It's called the Bald Bastard. Nice. <laughs> I know a few girls. Yeah, this is a tapper only beer that we just recently brewed. It's a Hefeweizen, and it is really delicious. Um, it's a lighter beer. Also, um, it's it's been selling very very well. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. Trying to drink it before it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's got a great color to it. What about you, Vina? What are you drinking? I am drinking. I, f- I feel like a traitor right now, actually. But I am. <laughs> drink- I'm just finishing off the bottle of Moscato that I I opened last night. Um, I would love and and prefer to be drinking what y'all are drinking because it sounds phenomenal. But I am down here, unfortunately. Like you said, we you don't reach down here yet, but we're going to manifest the hell out of that, and we're going to get you okay. down here soon. That's right, definitely. And then you'll you'll also be drinking it next weekend, so that'll be good. Yes, I will. I'm going to just be a drinking, few more days. I'm going to be drinking that all over Fiesta. Yes. Oh, and I want lots of pictures on social media of the Prima Diva all over Fiesta, Texas, and San Antonio. Oh yeah. yeah. We will definitely make that happen. We're going down to the Riverwalk. Um, oh, fun. 
on Saturday of Fiesta. So ah. it will be absolutely slammed and we will take tons and tons oh of pictures. Yes. All right, so Eva, we are so excited to uh, to be here and we would love to start off with just hearing about Siren Rock. How did this become a thing? Okay, well, um, so it's, gosh, it's kind of a long story, so I'm gonna try and make it a little short. We, we love long stories. <laughs> I, I start rambling a little bit, so. Um, okay, so my husband and I, um, he's my second husband, so um, we both have been married before and divorced, and we each have our kids and everything. Um, but yeah, so we've been married um, for 12 years, and we previously owned a um, audiovisual IT company um, hmm. where we we sold the product. We we imported a product from Taiwan. We um, basically were the wholesale marketing operations arm for all of North America, South America, and we had an office in um, Europe and the Netherlands as well. Wow. Um, and so uh, we did that for seven or eight years and really grew that company to, um, to be pretty big. And then, um, we ended up selling it in 2017. So while we were, um, while we had that company, we got to travel a lot because obviously, you know, we were distributing this product mm -hmm. all over the, the place. Um, and especially Europe. So we, we got to see a lot of places. We got to travel, um, to some really cool, amazing places, especially overseas in Europe. Um, and we love beer of course. And we also <laughs> really love wine. Um, too. And one of our favorite places actually to go to is Napa, Napa Valley in California. Okay. Um, we've been there a handful of times and just fell in love. So when we sold the company in 2017, we were um, kind of at a loss of what we wanted to do next because um, we were out of that. We wanted to be out of that industry. We were really tired of it kind of just over the whole everything with AV and IT. Mm -hmm. And so we were looking around and we're like, well, you know, we're not ones to just kind of sit around and not do anything. So we kind of think, well, what are we going to do next? And <laughs> funny story, we were on vacation with um, our kids and my mom in Mexico. And we were in the back of a van heading to an excursion. And we were just throwing around ideas, you know, because this was right after we sold the company. And uh, we were just like, you know, maybe we should you know, join a traveling circus and maybe, or maybe we should start an underwater basket weaving program or something, you know? And then my son, he was like, we all have beer. Why don't you open a brewery? And it was just like, ding, the lights went on and we wow. were like, whoa, wait a minute. That's so cool. Okay. And so we got back from the trip and we immediately just started, you know, hashing out ideas, um, what we were going to do. And we had already of course been to so many different breweries mm -hmm. and, um, really got a chance to see a lot of stuff, what was out there. Um, so we felt that we wanted it to have more of a West coast vibe feeling. So more of kind of like if you took a brewery and, you know, stuck it in Napa Valley, mm -hmm. um, that that would be Siren Rocks. And so we wanted to be some, something a little more elevated and, um, you know, people could come in and not feel like they're sitting in somebody's garage mm -hmm. or a warehouse. Not that there's anything wrong with that because there's a place and time for everything, but that's not what our vision was. Our vision was definitely to have some, 
you know, some softer seating, a lot of windows to let in the natural light, um, plants everywhere, you know, some really nice furniture um, and, and landscaping. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal to me too. And um, I love to go out and work in the yard. So just, you know, all these different things that we kind of started putting together and we really looked around the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And at the time we also realized that there wasn't anything quite like what we were wanting to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, well, this is really cool. We have a great, a great concept, a great idea. Um, it's a perfect time. So let's just go for it. So that was kind of how Siren Rock came to be. Um, now I will say it did take us about, three and a half years from concept to the time we broke ground. (laughs) So there was a lot of delays in there. Um, A lot of heartache, a lot of, you know, back and forth, just a number of things. I mean, it was, there was a government shutdown, you know, and of course we had some SBA funding, so that slowed everything down. You know, just, we had to rezone the whole downtown Rockwall district because it wasn't, zone to have a brewery so we had to basically go to city hall and request rezoning well there were some people at the time who did not want a brewery in downtown rockwall and so they fought us pretty hard and that took about uh, nine months or so so just one thing after another after another um, so when we were finally ready to go, finally ready to break down, we had all of our funding. We had we had bought this piece of land. It was, you know, the only piece of land left in the downtown Rockwall district um, that, to build on. And it was very, very important for us for two things to, number one, be part of downtown Rockwall because we, we really felt that we're tied to the community here. Uh-huh. Um, and we wanted to be in where the community is. We didn't want to be in an industrial district. We didn't want to be in, um, you know, down at the lake where the the tourist kind of area is. Um, We really wanted to be in the middle of the community. So downtown Rockwall was very important to us. Um, And then we also knew that we were going to have to build from the ground up and not go into an existing building because we had seen so many breweries get kind of pigeonholed where they were located for any number of reasons, but they outgrew their location so fast, but then they couldn't move because trying to move a brewery is a huge undertaking um, and very expensive too. So we knew we were going to have to build something a lot bigger than what we were originally going to need so we could have a chance to grow into it. Right. So, um, Mart thinking though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was a lot, but um, yeah, so we're like, all right, we got everything rolling and all these delays are done and we're ready to go. And then it's March of, you know, 2020 and oh, the world gosh. shut down, oh, no. <laughs> the world oh. pandemic hit. And so we were like, well, okay, we're just going to go for it anyway. So yeah, we um, a month, April of 2020, a month into COVID, we um, broke ground. We had a huge groundbreaking, socially distanced groundbreaking parade and party. <laughs> and it was it was kind of the perfect timing it ended up being because it took us 15 months to build. Wow. So, and there were a number of delays there too, but um, during construction was when the pandemic was happening and a lot of places were shutting down because they were having problems making it. Um, of course, everything was closed for so long. Mm-hmm. So had we actually opened 
earlier, a year earlier when we were planning to originally, we would have had to immediately shut down because of COVID and we would have never made it. So the fact that we broke ground a month into COVID and then, um, you know, took us 15 months. And then, so that was all during COVID when everything was shutting down and then kind of slowly coming back out and then shutting down again. There were so many unknowns. We were just in construction the whole time. And so finally, you know, a year and a half later, um, we had our grand opening and that's about right. Well, about a month after everything started really opening up, Uh like full on opening up again. And so everybody was ready to get out. Everybody was ready to go, you know, have some drinks and hang out again. And we're like, here we are. We're here now. So yeah, so it worked out. It worked out. But it was not without a lot of heartache and a lot of struggles. Um, a lot. We learned a lot for sure. Um, I mean, if anybody has ever tried to build anything from the ground up, commercial or otherwise, it's a challenge. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, I would like to know the stories behind the names of your beers because I they they fascinate me. Like I love them. Yeah, that's a good question. So. Um, when we decided that we were going to open the brewery, we, we also, you know, kind of did some market research and realized that the female craft beer drinker, ah, here we are sitting here, um, <laughs> right, is a, a huge market. We didn't feel that locally that market was being represented very well. So we wanted, we knew we wanted our brewery to be female leaning, hence the name Siren Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also wanted it to be a place that anybody could come, no matter what walk of life you're from, no matter your background, no matter who you are, just get together and um, share in a good beer. You know, kind of like the siren is calling out to sailors to bringing them in. Our siren is calling out to craft beer drinkers of all walks of life and bringing them in together just to share a good beer. So we felt that naming each beer after a different type of character or personality or something could really enhance that, you know, giving everybody a different kind of personality and just bringing them together. But also um, my background is also in marketing. And so I also very strongly feel that when a customer is bonded to that product, they are, you know, heavily invested with it. And so they're going to be more likely to tell their friends about it, tell their family Mm -hmm. about it, drink it, you know, spread the news, spread, you know, so feeling that we could have all these different characters, we felt like that really gave an opportunity for everybody, doesn't matter who it is, to really kind of bond with a certain beer, Mm -hmm. a beer character. And then they could, you know, walk in and be like, that's my beer. I want my beer. I'm the prima diva. So I want (laughs) want my beer. I was just going to say it worked brilliantly with us because we were... (laughs) We were liking all the posts that had the prima diva yeah. in it and, and, you know, putting it on our social media without even trying it, mm-hmm. merely because yeah. it was named the same as yeah. we were named. And so, yeah. yeah I really. mean, I have a friend who's a redhead and she swears the fiery rebel is her and this is her beer. You know, I have another friend who's a teacher. We named um, a beer that called the saucy teacher, you know, and it's nice. just, she's like, that's my beer. That's my beer. You know, the bald bastard is for her husband. who's you know, <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and so it's just kind of, it's, and, and it really has actually really worked out well and not only here in the tap room but out into the market i think Mm -hmm. it's really resonated with a lot of people um because we are we do distribute you know out to bars restaurants grocery stores you know liquor stores and 
it really helps to reinforce that character on the can, on the shelf, and on the tap handle. You know, no matter where you go, you walk into a bar and you see the Siren Rock logo and you see the character and that's my beer. I want my beer. Yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah. Very cool. Cheryl kind of took the words right out of my mouth that I have a marketing background too. And it very clearly worked because we, I mean, we zoned in on that beer well before we tried it. And I truly believe I'm like you, I truly believe that when someone has an emotional attachment to something or mm -hmm. it resonates with them, they're more likely to buy it. So yes. good on you. That was, that was very smart. Very mm -hmm. smart. And it's very good also. So it is our flagship beer. It is definitely our number one selling beer. So the, the name, you know, it's more than just the name. It is, you know, a good beer also. So. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, so tell us more about like the brewing side of it. Did you and your husband <laughs> do all of this? No. Do you have a brewmaster? Like no. how does that work? Yeah. So we actually had never brewed a beer a day in our life. Interesting. But we were really good at sales and marketing and operations and running a business and distributing a product. And um, so we really felt strongly that we, we knew what we could do as far as the company could go, but we could also hire a really good brewmaster. Uh -huh. So, um, and that person really needed to be kind of like the third seat at the table with us, our partner. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the marketing arm. My husband is the operations arm. And then we needed the brewing arm. Um, and kind of the three of us just in the trenches together. Um, so we put out a nationwide job search and we didn't really want to hire anybody locally. We wanted to kind of bring in a new flavor to um, the area. So he responded. He was one of several people that we kind of narrowed it down to. Um, but it really just came down to we really clicked with him the best. His name is Hayes and he's from Chicago and he brews some hella good beer it's so good <laughs> and he was just like yeah i'll relocate sure yeah well um yeah so he had obviously been looking for a new position too and when everything started taking so long you know he, he definitely wanted to move here um mm -hmm. but it just drug out for so long that he ended up having to kind of go back to work um for another company up there just biding his time until you know we could get him here. So that's so many pieces of a puzzle during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That's crazy. Cause I, I actually moved here from Michigan during the pandemic and I know it was difficult. Like so many things were closed down and mm -hmm. it just was not, yeah. It, traveling was not, you know, yeah. like it normally. It was a wild time. And it seems now that it was just, it seems surreal almost that we all kind it of does. Did it. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, if you think back to it and and how different everything was. I think it just, it all happened so suddenly that none of us really had time to really process and react what was happening that we just all kind of had to go with it. Uh -huh. And now that's why it probably seems so surreal because we were just like, how do we even wrap our brain around what's happening right now? This has never happened. Right. Like, like we we just did that. We just yeah. all were like, we have to do what? Okay, we'll do it. So when you think back to your divorce stage, did you ever foresee like this oh being my in your God. future? Hell no. I mean, not that we can see anything no. when we're going through all that shit, right? But like. God, and that, you know, it's so weird too, because we've talked about this a few times, my husband and I, and just neither one of us ever, ever expected that we would end up 
here owning, you know, our second company mm -hmm. and the, this one being a brewery, but no, I mean, gosh, I, we got divorced, um, in 2009 and that it just seems like such a lifetime ago. You know, I just, it's hard for me to even remember like that life now. Cause I've been doing this for a hot minute. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know? I, I feel like that's such an important message though, because we have listeners that are, you know, at all stages, some of them are still married and still like trying to figure out if yeah, they want to get divorced and yep. is the grass greener on the other God, side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and one thing we hear often and we talk about with, with people often is when, when do you, figure out is, you know, when, when is enough decide, enough? When are you like, so okay, I'm I know done. that I was definitely on the path to that. Um, I was doing a lot of pretty reckless things at the time because I was just kind of unhappy and didn't know how to get out of it. Um, scared to make the leap mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, I had two kids, two young kids at the time. They were nine and seven. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, just really, what am I going to do? How am I going to support these boys? How am I going to, you know, make them be okay with everything? And what am I, how am I going to support myself? What am I going to do? And, mm -hmm. you know, and it was weird. I remember, I'll never forget. I remember I woke up when it, cause I always thought, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? And, um, I, just woke up one day and it was like a light bulb had gone off. And I was like, what do you mean? How am I going to do it? You just do it. Just of course, it, yeah. of course I can do it. Of course. And you just do it. And I, I don't know. I just, it's like something came over me that I just, I was sure I was just sure. And I also knew I was done, <laughs> you know, and when you're done, you're done. And there was <laughs> no going back no matter, you know, any kind of conversation, nothing would have changed that. So, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just had a feeling. I just knew that it was all going to be okay. It was going to be hard, but it was what we needed for each other. Uh, my ex-husband and I, because I knew that we didn't make each other happy anymore. And I knew that we both deserved that too. I knew, you know, we both deserve to really, truly find somebody who made us truly 100% happy and we weren't and we hadn't in a long time. And I knew that also for my kids, I didn't want them to continue to grow up and see what a semi-dysfunctional relationship looked like. You know, Absolutely. I wanted them to see two parents who desperately loved each other mm -hmm. and who would do anything for each other and had a very strong foundation and a strong marriage. I wanted to represent that for them. And we didn't have that. And so that was a huge factor too, just knowing that I knew it was going to be hard for them, but I was making the right decision for me and them. Um, and my ex-husband too, um, because obviously he didn't want it at first, but, um, you know, just it, I had to make the decision for all of us and know in my heart that it was all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it was all going to work out some way or another. And so it did. And yeah, I mean, again, it just feels like another life. It feels like right. I was another person. I guess, I mean, of course, in a lot of ways you are, you change so much when you go through something devastating like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 
so no, I don't think that I ever expected to be here, but you know, who does? Right, right. You, you actually brought up a really good point. We, we discussed this in our episode 29 that we recorded last night about how wanting your kids to see something that was not dysfunctional, that two people that truly loved each other and were willing to do whatever it took to, you know, make a viable marriage and a happy marriage and a happy home and a happy family. And we actually discussed this just last night about, you know, how even Cheryl and I, there came a point where we had to, we had to realize that maybe what the example that we were setting for them about why we were staying and what we were allowing wasn't mm -hmm. the example that we wanted to, our, our exactly. children to have. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a yeah, hard I, thing to do as a parent. It yeah. is. And, and it's so hard. And I have so many friends that, you know, don't ever make that leap because exactly, you know, they think that they, they want to stay for the kids and do what's best for the kids. But I've just always believed that I, me being a role model for them, I wanted to show them positivity um, and strength and know that when the time came for them to make a hard decision, that it could be done yeah, and to not shy away from that as well. So I think that's such an amazing lesson for kids to learn at, at, at any age, but especially at a younger age, because then they have that tool in their back pocket forever. Mm -hmm. So when they're faced with whatever the adversity is, they've learned that lesson. Like yeah. shit gets hard sometimes, but I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, definitely, been positive for them so yeah that's awesome yeah that's so cool I resonate a lot with what you said about how the the decision just kind of like you wake up one day mm -hmm. and then it's just because I, I did the same thing I kind of ruminated in the idea for a really long time and then one day I, I think I've talked about it on a prior episode I got into the stupidest like ridiculous fight. With, oh yeah. That's with, exactly what happened. Yeah. With yeah. my ex-husband. And it's and just like, all right. Yeah. It was over yeah. painting. Yeah. We were painting the house because we were going to sell it and move. And it, it was an argument over paint. Dumbest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And it just, boom, it yeah. just switched and in my head. It's so funny that you say that because that's really exactly too what happened with us. I remember, I don't even remember what the fight was about, but it was something so stupid, so dumb and stupid. And I just, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. And I did not talk to him for three days and I had never done that, but it, well, I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I didn't feel anything. I was mm -hmm. just numb. Yes, and, yes, yes. And I was like, you know, that's the worst place to be because at least if you're mad and upset, then you still care enough to feel that. Right. But to not feel anything, I was just, yeah, I was like, I, this is it. You know? And I remember he, he was just done. He was like, are you going to be done ignoring me anytime soon? And I was like, I'm not ignoring you. I just don't have anything to say. Isn't that so weird? I feel like so many people, especially females, are like that. Like we try and we try and we try and we put it in. We do what we can. And then once that switch is flipped, mm -hmm. like forget it. It's done. How I was the that? same way. Like after... Um, I made that decision. There was no turning back. Yeah. Like I just, I knew it was time. I knew I was done. I knew that there was nothing that was going to change my mind. And same thing. I just went numb. I just like, I, not that I didn't care because of course I cared, but 
there was just something inside of me that knew like, like there's I, no I don't want to fight back. anymore there's yeah. nothing to fight about i'm just kind of done and ready to figure out what's what to do next yeah <laughs> yeah like i don't know if the grass is greener but i'm gonna make sure it is mm-hmm. because this this it can't get worse than this yeah, yeah i used to time. tell i used to tell my ex all the time that you know, right now I'm fighting for you. Like I'm fighting for us. Like I'm putting in, I'm putting in the effort right now. And, and I need you to match that. I need you to show me something because there's going to come a time. And I'm telling you, I'm almost there. There's going to come a time where it, it just, it just flips and I shut down. And when I'm not fighting for us anymore, you know, it's over. And I, I I didn't tell him that as a threat. Like I told him that in all honesty, like I need you to know that this is close to happening. I can tell I'm almost there. So this is, this is your chance, you know, show up. And he didn't. And just like y'all, it, it just turned off one day. And I like, I, I mourned after I mourned the the end of my family more than I mourned the end mm-hmm. of my marriage because I had yeah, been mourning my marriage for that. a while. It's funny you say that because I remember the night that I told him that basically that I wanted a divorce and he got you know some clothing and stuff and packed it and left and went to stay with his brother and I lost my shit. I mean I just hysterically I broke down. I called my mom and my dad. And they both came over and I just bawled and bawled and bawled and cried. And I was like, why, why am I doing this? But it was, it was the loss of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, it, it was the loss of the ideal that I wanted mm-hmm. of the yeah. family, you know, but it wasn't real anyway. Right. So I guess I was just kind of mourning that, uh, the letting go of that idea mm-hmm. that this is just done, yeah. you know? And I, I, I surprised myself because I, I didn't think that I would be that upset, but I, oh gosh, I don't know if you'll ever hear this or not, <laughs> but um, I wasn't that upset about losing him. I was upset about just, you know, my family. Yeah. So. And and everything that you've worked for and everything that you, yeah. you know, all the energy the that you put so hard. Yeah. put so much energy in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. It's like, and now it's for nothing. Yeah. And and it is like you build a lot. You have your your kids and you have your family friends yeah. and you have your community. Like you have your this whole life is this, just, yeah, yeah, this whole unit that is just functioning as a unit. And then especially when you're the one that's pulling the plug on that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like shit. Oh, I was the bad guy. Yeah. Me. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. Me and- too. <laughs> yeah, because all three of us were the ones who who pulled the plug. And yeah. I, I never saw myself doing that. I never saw myself being the bad guy. That was the first time in my family that, mm-hmm. that I have really been the one to cause the issues. I spent so much time, you know, in survival mode, like making sure everybody was okay. And then all of a sudden I was the one that was causing this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, yeah. am, I, am I fucking on my kids? Am I, is this the right thing to do? And it's such an unsure time. Like you yeah. just, you know, but then you don't know. Like you know it's right for you, but you don't know if it's right for. And I, it's just else. you know you feel like you're just on unsure footing all the time because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, every step I make, is it going to be the right one, or what are the repercussions going to be, or, you know, 
am I going to make things worse or better? Um, I think I got really, really lucky. I know that I did. My mom says I have a, an angel on my shoulder <laughs> all the time. But yeah, I had a great support system with my family. You know, it's interesting too, because my parents divorced when I was three and they each got remarried and then they each got divorced again, right around the same time when I was about seven or eight. And after those second marriages, they became best friends. Um, and mm -hmm. so my entire life that as far back as I can remember, my parents, um, have, they were always best friends. We did every holiday together, every birthday together. You know, my mom was very great friends with my stepmother. Well, my later stepmother. Mm -hmm. Um, and for 30 years and it was just, it was no different to me. That was still my family. So that's right. how I grew up. I grew up, we were still a family unit, even though my parents had divorced. Um, we still did everything together as a family. And I always thought that if I ever got divorced, that that's how it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, we would still remain friends and do things as a family unit for the kids and, you know, be like my parents were. Mm -hmm. And I very quickly realized that it takes both people to want to do that Absolutely. <laughs> and for people mature enough to handle that kind of um, relationship. And there have been spurts here and there where we kind of were that way. Um, we both have since gotten, gone on and gotten remarried, but overall we just, we, we just don't. Yeah. So you had that ideal situation with your parents mm -hmm. and we just talked about that on our last episode, like how that is so beautiful when adults are mature enough yeah. to do that because it makes the entire difference. Well, and you're also, you know, it's not just the two, people that were once married that got divorced that have to be mature enough is their partners that they mm -hmm. end up with that have to be mature enough to handle that kind of relationship as well too and not feel threatened by it right and my husband now and i definitely were on board with that but they weren't it was just too difficult i think there was just too many hurt feelings over you know, stupid bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. funny that you, everything you describe, we actually have very similar stories. My family, you know, everyone that got divorced, they remained friends and the, the kids, like even when they remarried, even their spouses would then come to the family reunion. So I'd be at birthday parties and family reunions and I'd see my brother and his new wife and the his ex and her new husband and my mom and her ex and like oh, every, yeah. everyone there like family reunions were all exes and and i would introduce my husband and he's like what what kind of fucked up family is this because he's like, he's like no, They're, all the exes are here and i'm like yeah because they they do it for the kids and i'm exactly like you i legit thought that there came a there would come a time where he and i would be that for our kids because our kids were still, you know, our youngest was in middle school when, when this happened. And I legit thought that there would come a time with, for that. And it never happened. It we're still, I mean, we will text like it, it there's no friendship there. And it, it makes me sad because my kids are older and we're getting to the point where pretty soon grandkids are going to start happening. And, you know, we're going to have moments where we all have to be in the same area. And, 
you know, that makes me nervous. I, I wish, and I, well, I should say, I hope that by that time there's, there's some more healing on his side so that we can be there and all just be in a happy place for our children. Yeah. My, um, so my best friend, I've known her for, uh, 32 years. Shout out Jennifer. Uh, (laughs) So she is my ex-husband's brother's wife. Okay. And we do, I mean, I mean, she's known me since I was 16. We've, we know each other inside and out, you know, her kids are, we, we do family vacations together. Mm -hmm. She and I, my husband and you know, all of our kids, because to me, that's family, you know, just because I divorced Michael doesn't mean I divorced the whole family. You know, my, his mother, my former mother-in-law just passed away a month ago and, you know, I went to the funeral and was there in the front row because I'm still considered family to a large majority of them, Uh even if Michael and I aren't. So, yeah. Which is how it should be for healthy minded adults. Healthy minded being the key word. Like, oh, some yeah. people are not. <laughs> yeah, like I, I hoped for the same thing with, with my ex-husband. Like I I knew because abuse was part of our situation, I knew that I wouldn't have any sort of friendship with him, but I hoped that he would do what he needed to do for mm-hmm. for my kids, yeah, for, well, for our uh, kids. That's another story. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, that just didn't happen. Nope. And But I was part of his family for 22 years. So that just doesn't go away. No, no. There's still several of them that I keep in touch with. And, you know, they are mature enough to understand the situation and still consider me family, but just because he doesn't, sorry, that's his loss. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) All the time. It's his loss. It's absolutely his loss. And, you know, it, it sucks for, for my kids because I really wanted that yeah. to be some sort of wake up call for him yeah. and, and hope that he would have a, a, some sort of moment of clarity, but, but it didn't happen. And so I'm just grateful that some of his family still, yeah. you know, accepts us. Yeah. And, yeah I think I had a really good role models in, in my family growing up because both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side of my family were, we were all the same way, you know, just even though my parents divorced, just family all the time holidays my grandmother used to love to rub it into my dad that you know he was her favorite (laughs) ex-son-in-law that is the cutest yeah that is so it's just so healthy and and such a necessity because you know half of marriages end in divorce Mm -hmm. so people need to learn how to coexist like that yeah it's too bad that everybody can't i know it is quite a shame. Yeah. Well, Eva, if if I may, do you, and I don't want to like put you on the spot because I know we didn't tell you this to prepare anything, but there are a lot of females, I mean, males starting over too, but there are a lot of females out there, a lot of our listeners out there starting over and they're starting over later in life and they're, they're sitting on their dreams. I, I am definitely 100% guilty of that. And Do you have any, as someone who went out there and just started your own business, saw a vision and went for it, do you have any advice that you want to give those that might be, you know, starting over after divorce and 
and kind of stuck, stuck in, in first gear right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can say that I've always had this feeling inside me that no matter how bad things get, they're never that bad that they, you can't overcome them. Like, I mean, there's some, there's been some serious challenges, you know, in my life and I'm sure a lot of people obviously, but it's like, it won't last forever. I think that's what, that's what the key is in my mind. It's always been in the back of my mind, no matter what, how bad things are right now, it won't last forever. And if I can get through this right now and get past this stage and get onto the next one, then it will be good. But whatever it is, how bad it is, or even how good it is, you know, appreciate the good times because they don't last forever either. Absolutely. So I have this tattoo on my arm um, that I got about a year or so after my divorce was final. And it says this too shall pass. And it was, you know, one thing that my dad always said to me, and I think he instilled a lot of that in me too. It's like, whatever it is, it will pass. Um, and it's hard to not get bogged down in the moment when there's stress coming at you from every different direction and you have kids and a job and grocery shopping and cleaning the house and laundry and, you know, oh my God, how am I going to afford, you know, to even go have a drink with my friends? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a moment in time. It's just a moment and it's not going to last forever. Yeah. I I think that that's such wise advice because so many people, and I I feel like even I was guilty of this for the first maybe year or two after my divorce, you're you're stuck in that spot where all you can see is that something ended Mm -hmm. and you can't quite make that leap into the fact that something also began. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, it ended. It sucked. Everybody's affected by it. You have to do that healing and get through that. But also, like, what an opportunity to just start over. Yeah. Do whatever you want. I know. And, and it's, you know? it's almost kind of like a, a bit of freedom. You yeah. feel just a sense of like, wow, what's out there next for me now? Yes. What can I do? What can I go forth and conquer? You know? Yeah. So, But that's hard. That's, that's a hard step to take because I think, I know Vina and I have friends and I'm sure you probably do too, that get stuck in that mm-hmm. it ended mm-hmm. stage. And to wrap your head around the fact that, you know, every every end is a new beginning. There's a thousand quotes about that, right. songs and everything, <laughs> yeah. right? But but it's so easy to get stuck in that how awful end this stage moment and how, is. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then you get, you know, depressed and you just don't really know how to jump over that hurdle and get to the point where you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, yeah, now I have this freedom and now I have this ability to do anything I want. I can open a brewery, (laughs) you know, Well, that was not even close to being on my mind at the time, you know, but I guess if anything, I mean, maybe looking to other people that have been through similar situations. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why you guys do this podcast Mm -hmm. um, because it really does help to hear other people that have been there and who have gotten past it. And that kind of gives you the sense of, oh shit, they did it. I can do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, look where you are now. Like you, yeah. you have similar stories as us and so many of our listeners, but look where you are now. Like that, that in and of itself is an I mean, inspiration. If you told me, what, 15 years ago 
that I would be sitting here now recording a podcast. First of all, who, who even knew what a podcast was? <laughs> right. <laughs> but sitting here, you know, doing this in a brewery that I owned, you know, with my second husband and we distribute beer, you know, throughout North Texas. And this is, I mean, I'm sorry, this is no small like place. This is, oh my gosh, a, yeah. this, is this is a big oh, facility. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the struggle, if you would have told me that, I would have punched you in the throat and walked away <laughs> and just been like, no, you're wrong. Who are you? What planet are you from? I can never see myself. I mean, I mean, I always knew I was strong deep down, but going like to this extent boggles my mind. It still boggles my mind. I mean, boggles both my husband and, you know, both of our minds. We, we stood back, we had an Easter brunch last weekend and we stood back and it still kind of boggles both of us that we did this, you know, like, wow, who would have thought that we would have been here? I think for a lot of guys, it's that way too. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I have to give my husband some props because he's been a huge support system for me too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So. Like it definitely takes two to to build a dream like this. Not that you couldn't have done it on your no, own. No, yeah, but the fact sure. that you guys built this together, to you know. Is, yeah. And I just have to give you props because I have. I'm lucky enough that I get to travel as a living, and um, and I've been in a decent amount of breweries from. Don't don't lie. You have been in so many. So many breweries. Okay, okay I want to call the drunk divorce divas for a reason. <laughs> what was your favorite brewery? Well, this one. Oh my god! I'm not just yeah. saying that. I'm not just saying that. Okay, so um, I'm a Detroit girl, so Founders is oh, yeah. definitely one of my favorites. I love Founders beer and um, okay, and what they put out, but atmosphere wise. I love what you said about the warehouses because so many places, and I understand you need the room for yeah. the brewing. So many places do open up in warehouses and that's cool. It, it's a, it's a decent vibe. Um, but besides this and Alamo brewing company in San Antonio, they also have a, I don't know if you've ever been there. They have a similar, yeah. like they have a large outdoor area yeah. and an indoor yeah. area and they don't have the menu that you have. Um, it, it's a little bit more limited, but as far as open spaces yeah. and um, so I'll tell you and all the listeners out there, one of <laughs> the best breweries to go to, to get a, an experience like this and where we, we, you know, got a lot of our inspiration from is Ballast Point in California. Oh, I've never um, been there. Oh, what city is that in? So um, we were in the Long Beach location okay. and it's right on the water and they have this like really pretty landscaped area on one side of the patio and the other side of the patio just is it just all you see is water oh, and the wow. ocean and it's just oh my gosh and the whole inside is glass and windows and beautiful i mean it's right there in the water mm-hmm. um yeah it was just amazing and it's so funny because um people will come in here that have never met us you know and well we get asked constantly if we're from california mm-hmm. or um, if we've ever been to Ballast Point, because and I'm like, no, we're not from California. <laughs> but we did model this on the California brewery, you know, or California vibe, mm-hmm. um, you know, Northern California with Napa. And then, but yeah, the, the experience of Ballast Point was, was awesome. I'll have to check sure. that out. Well, next time I am up in Dallas, because my kids are there, my, my, my immediate family is still there. 
once I'm up that way or next time I'm up that way, I'm going to stop in because now I've got to see it. <laughs> yeah, you have to for sure. Okay. So what's your favorite beer? Mine. Yeah. So I'm not a like I'm not I'm not a brewery girl. I've never been like a like a connoisseur of beers. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Cheryl actually introduced me to that. I I was more of a wine girl, but yep. I have I have I mean I've always drank a beer. Like you know I grew up. Let, let's be honest. I grew up in small town Texas, and I can drink a beer in a pasture in the back of a pickup. Like nobody <laughs> I love Natty Light. I love that. I love that. I love that. I can drink a beer around a bonfire in somebody's pasture like a pro, but I've never been a huge connoisseur of, of beers. And until recently, I would say in the past five years, I've really started to um, appreciate craft beer. And yeah, I, I didn't understand it at first and I definitely have my preferences. I quickly learned I'm not an IPA girl. <laughs> Hey, it took me a couple years before I started liking IPAs. And then once my taste buds kind of switched to that, it's all I drank okay. for quite a while, uh, like three or four years. It's all I would drink was IPAs. But I'll tell you what, my taste buds are now going back the opposite way, which is interesting to me oh. because I have been drinking lagers and the, uh, there you go. Pilsner's just the really malty clean mm -hmm. beers. I mean, now you're talking about language. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe it's because we have a great brewer who, you know, mm -hmm. he's from Chicago and that's the land of the lager, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and he brews a really, really clean beer. And I have just been hooked on lately on the lagers. Um, and that's, that's like the purest standpoint. And it's funny because, in a lot of craft beer styles, um, especially the ale styles, the IPAs, the funkier beers, you know, that are becoming so popular, you can hide a lot of the impurities mm -hmm. and a lot of the taste differences in, in, in beer that aren't really supposed to be there. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I learned something IPAs. new today. <laughs> yeah. Hazy IPAs are my favorite, but I never thought about that aspect of it because my... After hazy IPAs, my favorite is anything like barrel aged. Like, oh, love, really? Love, love them. But I imagine that what that's you, a total in, opposite end of the spectrum. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, totally different world. And I didn't used to like them. My dad drank them a lot, and every time he ordered them, I'm like that that was awful. Yeah, it smells way too strong. But then I started trying them, and um, Founders again, mm -hmm. Michigan. Um, it's out of Grand Rapids, but there's a really nice Founders in Detroit, too. They have a couple of barrel aged that are just amazing. Well, Goose Island, yeah. uh, they I put out Goose their barrel-aged, um, the Bourbon County barrel-aged series every year. And mm -hmm. it's so rare, especially down here, it's rare that you can find them. Um, and they only do it once a year. It's very limited. It's amazing. There's some great beers out there yeah. right now. The whole industry, the whole market has... Um, really changed and come so far and i mean maybe that's why you're finding more beers in the past few years that you like because there's so much more variety out mm -hmm. there now in craft beer and people are experimenting more um we're getting into sours now which that's a whole new style that's yeah. mm -hmm. starting to really make its way um 
especially for the wine drinkers, we've, we've found if, if people come in and they're like, oh, I'm here with my husband, but I don't drink beer. I just drink wine. Mm -hmm. We will always put a sour in front of them and say, just taste this. Yeah. And 95% of the time, they love it. It's just, it's such a different flavor. And it's so different. different. Yeah. 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 Sours are, are interesting. I've tried a few throughout my travels and they're either in my Too opinion, sour. Yes. Yes. They're either <laughs> they like, make oh you pucker yeah. or, yeah. or they're good. Yeah. You know, they, they have that uh, a bit of that bitterness, but not so much. Right. That it, it, like kills the flavor, but I like a good sour. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of good beer, but surprisingly, there's still a lot of bad beer out there too. There is. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes, there. Yes, <laughs> I will agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a couple breweries that I I would not return to mm -hmm. because yeah, it's a, it's great that craft beer has become such a thing, right? But also, you know, it's been easy Thank you. for uh, for a lot of people that maybe don't have the experience or yeah. or the proper brewer or whatever. So I don't know. It's interesting. Are you familiar with Martin House? Oh yeah, they're the <laughs> sour brewery in for all of north texas and oh they do gosh. some funky that's stuff. what i love about them some of the things that so they come up with i'm like how that. the hell did yeah, they decide to make that is one that you either you either love them mm -hmm. or you hate them right because they're too funky some of the stuff that they come up with but it's also like who thinks of these things you know exactly, <laughs> exactly. like on their instagram they put little teasers about what their next yeah. flavor is and you know it's like hot dogs and mm -hmm. like the, the just the craziest oh, yeah. things I've ever yeah. heard of. It's it's wild. Man. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But so, that being said, they have had some really good, their key lime pie. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They did a whole like icebox series where they did like a lemon meringue pie, sour, a key lime pie. I forget what the third one was, but that, oh, that key lime pie one was good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I had a, um, it was a stout at fate brewing in scottsdale arizona um it was called the candy bar stout and it was modeled after an almond joy so it was dark chocolate oh. Oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me about this <laughs> you know you know i'm married to stouts you know i am that's true that's true like i they're, they're my they're my second love so oh, i'll send you some we oh. actually so we we do barrel aging here um, with one of our Imperial Stouts, Ooh. and um, we release it once a year. So it's been in there now for almost two years. Um, oh my gosh, so that's that, so I cool! Know. I got to check that um, out. After we released we're done. it at we released it at our I think our Christmas party was the first one, but we did our one year release. Um, and now we're about to do our two-year release. But in the middle of all that, we also do some limited release stuff where we pull some of the beer out of the barrels and um, basically flavor it differently. So, And we bottle it, too. And we only sell it here in the tap room. Oh. Um, so we just did an Irish cream version mm -hmm. of the salt. Oh, right up your alley, Yeah, yeah. and that was <laughs> Patrick's Day, we did that. That was amazing. Is there still some out there? No, it's gone. Oh, girl. it's gone. I was gonna say, if there's still some, I would take it to my next totally up her alley. Yeah, um, and then we did around Christmas time, we did um, a peppermint bark version, which was oh, really good. God yeah. bless America. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. It's really good. Both so, of those are just like right up my alley. Yeah. I, that's the one thing I, well, I love lots of things about fall, but the one thing I love about fall in the craft beer world is all the pumpkin spice. The pumpkin ones. Yeah. Again, they're really good or they're like, Oh God, no, that's true. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I make it a habit to like try it wherever I am yeah. in the fall. And some of them are amazing. Mm -hmm. And some of them like, if you wouldn't have told me it was pumpkin, I would never have known. Right. It's like, that, I taste no pumpkin. Or sometimes the spice is very weak. And yeah, I do pumpkin spice like a proper white girl. <laughs> pumpkin spice released last um, fall and we called it the basic bitch. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna ask if this was like an ad for basic white girl. <laughs> like, <Yeah. right. laughs> okay, yeah, well when I especially when I come up there, I I am a I mean I like loggers, I like but when it comes down to it, my girlish figure does not like stouts, but no beer I, does pounds, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I love me a stout. Like I could drink it all day, every day, and if it if it wasn't packed, well, packed with calories go down because we have um one of our core beers is a chocolate milk stout and oh. it's yeah and it's a lighter it's only like five and a half percent abv oh and so we call it the year-round stout because it doesn't sit heavy on your mouth it doesn't sit in your stomach and make you feel full okay uh, purposely brewed it that way so people would drink more of it <laughs> um perfect <laughs> um throw that to the uh to the marketing yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, but it's a really good, it's called the Magnetic Muse. Uh, Ooh, I have to read It's good. really good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I will, I would love to try that because I, I love Guinness. I absolutely adore Guinness is my number one beer and it just, it sits so heavy on me. Like it, I only drink it on special occasions because I just can't you do it. On you because the ABV in Guinness is only around 4%. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, didn't know that. It's one of those beers that you feel like it's heavy, but you can drink a lot of them and barely get a buzz. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Irish. Uh, yeah, Irish carbs. Yeah. <laughs> that might difference. be why they're. <laughs> I knew I liked you. We are guilty of drinking several of those. So that might be why it's a little heavier. That, yeah. That's our like go to shot is Irish car bombs. So <laughs> true. Oh my so gosh. True. So that's funny. I have a funny story to tell about that. Then um, back when we owned our previous company um, and we travel a lot, we were in London once and we were with some friends and we were in a pub and it was packed. And my husband, I mean, you know, we're American. We don't really. And this is one of our first trips overseas to London. Um, so he goes up to the bar and I think there were like nine of us there. And he's like, I want nine Irish car bombs. And it's like the whole pub went <laughs> pin drop. They were like, and then the bartender leans over and he's like, you can't say that here, mate. You can't oh. say that here, mate. We were like, what? We're just ordering a drink. It's an Irish car bomb. He was like, do you not know IRA, Ireland? Like the history yeah. of the name. Oh, sorry. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I want Guinness with um, <laughs> with Irish cream yeah, dropped right. into it, please. <laughs> Whoa. So did did they have another name for it or no, I mean after we played Dumb American, um, <laughs> you know, we're like, oh okay, you're all like dumb American, so Yeah, there's no way that was the first time they heard that. 
right? I would think not. Yeah. You know, it's so it's such a common name over yeah. here, and we just you know we don't think of. <laughs> yeah, but this was oh my gosh, this was back in 2003. Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry, 13, 13. Yeah, but still, that was a, that was ten years yeah, ago. Ten so years maybe, ago, yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. Why? Crazy. Time goes by so fast. I was at a, <laughs> I was at Target the other day, and the the cashier and the guy that was ahead of me in line were talking, and he was trying to use the uh, the I don't even know what it's called, where you click the side of your phone and and pay. Oh, like Apple, Apple Pay? Pay? Yeah, it was that yeah. Apple Pay? It was Apple Pay. Yeah. So he was trying to use Apple Pay and it wasn't working. And he told the cashier, he said, what is this, the 1900s? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, <laughs> do not refer to oh. that as the 1900s. Oh, we've that here, though, too, because here in the top room, we don't take cash. So we're completely cashless. It's, it's card only, which 98% of the time, no big deal. Right. Most people don't even carry cash anymore. Except you get the one or two people that come yep. in every once in a while and they're like, I'm only paying cash. Well, okay, I'm sorry, but we don't take cash. It's it's a safety issue. We have a lot of female staff here that close at night. Um, it's avoiding theft. I mean, there's a lots of reasons. Absolutely. Right? So, um, but you'll get the ones that argue with you and then you're like, what kind of new world order is this? You know, <laughs> oh, like oh my god no. you're right we're part of the conspiracy yeah oh. <laughs> good lord oh i mean we get all kinds and i mean service industry of course you see everything oh i can't so. even imagine yeah. yes you do especially like this industry if people have been drinking a little bit and then they get to the point where they're like okay i'm ready to cash out what do you mean you don't take cash well and that's how we we swipe a card um, at first for every tab. So, you know, we don't, excuse me, we don't, um, you know, like charge the card or things, just swiping for like a, a I don't know, like a dollar hold or something, just so they can start a tab. Oh, and that's then, good. So yeah. then they know from the get go. Yeah. So their like, card is on file. We don't hold the card, but their card is like in our system. So if they get up and walk a tab, which we've had many, many of the people get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And they leave forget to cash out close out so their car is on file and we just close it at the end of the night so well that's good at least then at the beginning they know that cash isn't an option mm -hmm. and not like six beers in you know yeah oh no it's <laughs> always at the beginning show, we sure. always tell people at the beginning to open a tab and we don't take cash so that's good yeah that's good and it's it's funny how much how positive the response has been overall for that and i think we were one of the first places in Rockwall to start doing that. And so now other a couple other restaurant owners have come to me and you know asked me how we got it started and what the feedback is because they're kind of all starting to want to go that way. Um it's just so much easier now. And it's a safer route too, like you said. I mean you don't have to run to the bank and get cash and keep it in a till all the time and worry yeah. about, you know, people stealing from you or somebody coming in and holding up the place. Right. You know, I mean, it is a huge safety issue. Um, it's just, just negate it, get it out of the way and don't have to worry about it. So yeah, overall it's been very, very positive. That's good. Awesome. I think that's become more common too, since the pandemic, because yeah. you know, everybody was like, no cash, no cash. Yep. And, and then like some places just stayed like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember pre pandemic anywhere ever being like, no, no cash here. 
I, I remember places that were cash only, but not, you know, like cart only. And now I think it's more common, but it does. It makes total sense. Yeah. I'm glad we finally got to make it work. This is fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was fun. And it was, we had so much in common and we admire you so much. And I am, I am definitely going, I'm kind of jealous that Cheryl's there right now. So <laughs> I'm definitely going to make my way up there and check it out myself. Like, and we will, we will be promoting you and representing you during Fiesta next week. Like there's no tomorrow. Yes, we definitely will. And we're manifesting you getting your beer down here so that we can all enjoy it here in San Antonio. Yay, fingers crossed. We'll tag H-E-B in our, uh, in all our yeah. posts. H-E-B, bring Siren Rock. Yes. Yes. Hot on. Catch oh. on San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, actually a, a completely viable idea because I, San Antonio has a thousand beautiful things, but they aren't super brewery heavy. No, no, they're really not. Yeah. There's only couple yeah. down there. I mean, of course, Austin is oh yeah, Austin, Central. Yeah, Austin. Know. They're on on every corner. Yeah, but San Antonio, not really. Not like lot, I, no. I went to a few, and they were, you know, good. well, and, and not even San Antonio, but just kind of like the whole middle Texas Hill Country area. Once you get outside of Austin and Austin suburb mm -hmm. kind of area, there's not a lot. Down mm -hmm. there. I remember going to College Station to visit uh, my cousin a couple years ago. I'm like. What do you mean there's no brewery here? Yeah. There's a brewery in every town now. Yeah. You know? Well, even those college towns like San Marcos, New Braunfels, yeah. they, they're not even brewery heavy. And oh, college yeah. towns are such a great area. But you know why? It's because college kids have no money. That's true. They yeah. Great craft beer. That's true. <laughs> they are broke. Good point. Good point. So, Dude, Eva, is there, is there something that um, – because we wrote down all the questions that we had, but is there something that you – would like to talk about where divorce is concerned, where, you know, kind of starting over is concerned. Like, is there something in particular that kind of, if you could give someone advice on it, that you, you've been waiting for the moment to be able to do so? Gosh, I'm not a sage. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but we all come out of it with some kind of, with our own personal wisdom. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, you know, just kind of reiterating what I said, just it's, it's not going to last forever, whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're in. It, well, it will always change. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just kind of, and it's natural, it's human nature to just get wrapped up in the moment of everything what's going on, you know, all the stress and all the anxiety and all the worry um, to really kind of see the forest for the trees and, mm -hmm. and realize that, okay, this, this is not going to be this way forever. This is not my lifelong, you know, lot in life. It's just this moment now that I can, you know, I need to make it through. Yeah. But it's also weird because I think people have a natural tendency to be like, okay, I'm going to make it through this and then on to the next thing. And that, that inherently means there's like a stopping point and a beginning point. Mm. And it's never that way. It's always fluid. And so a lot of times people have already kind of evolved and moved on to the next stage, I guess you could say, or, or phase. 
but it happens so minutely and so tiny little bit at a time that you don't realize that it's happening. But every decision that you make and every choice and every step, it's leading you to that next phase. It's not a start. It's not a hard stop and a hard reset. It's just one tiny little step at a time. And that's why it's so hard or so easy to get bogged down and, uh, you know, the, the minutia of everyday stress and drama and trauma and everything and not just realize that I'm making progress. Yeah. I'm moving forward. That is such a valid point because I, I think I can say this about almost every stage of my healing that when I was in the middle of it, I didn't realize it was going on yeah. until I got past it. And then and I looked like, back. Oh and, my God, how yeah. did I get through that? And I, and yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I really was in the middle of like leveling up past something that I didn't even realize I was dealing with at yeah. the moment because you know, it, it's such a like minute by minute thing, especially at the beginning when you're like, shit, what is going on with yeah, my life right Exactly. Now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway is just, you know, keep going. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like, it's not this big grandiose movement. Like you said, there's no like, okay, I'm done with this and now I'm starting this. It's just like little changes day by day Mm -hmm. that you're doing things differently and thinking differently and acting differently. And they just add up over time. And then you just kind of evolve. Yeah. 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 Absolutely agree with that. I did not expect this to be so like deep and enlightening. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to every episode that we do. (laughs) Every episode. Really? Yeah. This is awesome. And I think, okay, I think this is another takeaway from getting divorced and also, you know, moving forward and moving on is for women, your female friendships are hugely important. And to find that support system that you get from another female, um, hopefully, you know, especially one that's been through it, but even not, even if it's just somebody that you just can sit with and talk to and be like, I had a really shitty day today. Mm-hmm. And she's like, girl, me too. And cheers to that, yeah. you know, but female friendships are so important, especially as I think as females get older and as women get older and go through more changes in their life, you realize what's meaningful in your life and the people that mean more to you. And I mean, I can say for me personally, the ladies in my life lift me up, you know, and and help me get through some shitty times, but we share so many great times, you know, and there's no, I don't think there's any other relationship out there like a female friendship, right? Um, a, A good, true female friendship, because that's just, I mean, that's really how, every relationship should be right. You, you lift each other up. Yeah. You make each other better. You support each other. That's how marriage should be. That's how a parent child should be. It's yeah, for sure. Especially when you can rip off that mask that you wear for the rest of the world Mm -hmm. and just be yourself and be vulnerable and, and put yourself out there authentically and not have to pretend. Cause I feel like, especially when you're going through divorce and rebuilding after that, you do put on that facade for so many people uh-huh. because you're like, yeah, everything's I'm okay. Fine. I'm okay. I'm going great. the worst fucking time yeah. of my life, but everything's yeah. fine. And I think that's again, why women friendships are very important because oh God, I, I know one time I was really struggling 
And I have three really good friends of mine that we're all kind of in a text group together. Um, we're called the Hot Girls. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Is there a beer for that yet? <laughs> but I texted the three of them and I was like, y'all, I'm, I'm really having a hard time right now. I'm, I feel like I'm going to lose my shit uh, pretty much any day and kind of worried about myself. But I just really need like words of encouragement or just to even just talk and just voice this out there that mm -hmm. and not hold it inside and you know just to have people that you can do that with yeah is, is huge yeah especially when you have that kind of bond with them that they can be honest with mm -hmm. you and not just you know fluff exactly yeah. not you got this girl yeah. like no but i don't no i really <laughs> don't like i'm about to like probably hurt somebody exactly while cheryl and i have that now if you've listened to the early episodes we we've we're, we're blunt about it. Like we're honest about it. Um, Cheryl and I were best friends for years, like uh, over a decade. And we raised our kids together. And then we, we were both in really bad situations with our marriages, but we weren't really telling each other um, because we were keeping that close, you know, behind closed doors and close to our hearts. And, and neither one of us were honest about what we were going through. And unfortunately, I let that bleed over into our friendship and I actually lashed out at, at Cheryl because she was the only one like hindsight's 2020. And I know why I did it because I did, I had no one else to, I couldn't lash out at my husband at that time because he was being so indifferent to me and was withholding action from me that I wouldn't get anything if I lashed out at him anyways. But I felt like I was drowning in all of those feelings and Cheryl was the the easy target. Like we we yeah. had a falling out and I took it completely wrong and we got into a huge fight about it and our friendship actually kind of ended for quite a few years. So I actually went through my divorce without Cheryl and Cheryl went through her divorce without me and we found each other after and looking back it would have been it, like you said it would have been amazing to have each other during that time mm -hmm. um because of the rock that she is now to me and and you know that i am to her to have that sisterhood back then would have been amazing i'm yeah. so glad that i found it getting divorced how long ago i've been divorced for four and a half years okay i've been be I, I was separated in 2000 early 2015 like February 13th, 2015, he moved oh, that out. Dates. Long story short, I had been asking him since before Christmas to move out, move in with his parents. And he had certain things that he had to do. I was actually hoping that we would work on our marriage. I was like, date me, go to counseling and find out what's wrong with you because yeah. you get your, get your mental health together. I'll go to counseling too. Um, get your finances together. You know, it was his finances were an absolute shit show and I was I was not allowed to touch them and check back into your kids. So dating me and check back into your kids and get your mental health together. were like the top three. And I had been asking him that since before Christmas and he moved out, surprised me and moved out February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. And we had been married 18 years. And we stayed separated a year and a half before the divorce was almost two years before the divorce was actually final. 
Yeah. So it, it, it took a very, very long time for the divorce to even like be final. That sucks. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. It was, it was a, it was a roller coaster. It, it honestly was it, it could have been, could have been a lot different, but hmm. now looking back, I learned so much from it. Like I, I am remarried. Um, I actually next week will next weekend will be my second anniversary. And mm -hmm the difference in this relationship and that relationship, even though this relationship, you know, still young, that mm -hmm. relationship, like we're, I'm doing things so different now. Yeah. Like we have such a beautiful open communication and talk and there are hard times. Like, I mean, let's be honest, no marriage is perfect. And there, there are times that are absolute shit shows, but it's what you do in those times to me. And this is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. It's what you do in the times that your marriage is a shit show that proves you both have staying power that proves yeah. you're both yeah, in absolutely. it for each other. 1000%. You know, you know, it's um, ironic. I guess you touched on that, but my, when my ex-husband and I were married, my dad, my dad and I were, I've always been very, very, very close. Um, but he always called my ex-husband, my starter husband. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And he would always, and it was always like a joke, ha, 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 funny. But he always had like that semblance of truth behind it. Like he, he knew we were never right together. And, or no, he, he would call him my starter husband, but then to my, to my face and joking around to both of our face, he'd be like, you and your first husband, <laughs> you, you, you and your first husband can come over for dinner tonight. Like, wow. That's great. Um, Little did he know he was very right. So dads know though that when, when I told my dad, I was going to marry my ex-husband, he said, <laughs> that is the stupidest decision you've ever made oh, in yeah. your life. <laughs> and you know, I was young and dumb. I was like, no, but I love him, <laughs> but I'll be damned if that wasn't exactly spot on the stupidest decision. I mean, of course, you know, in retrospect, I have my daughters and, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I would never, yeah, ever, I ever anything. take it back because, yeah. um, yeah, I, I mean, I have the life experiences that I have, right. I have my kids and how much I grew throughout that. But yeah, damn, if I would have just known earlier on, I could have saved a lot of stress and heartache. But yeah. on the other hand, I mean, I just grew up so much Yeah. after that. Yeah. And then when you go through that, like that, that moment where you're post divorce and pre anything else in your future, and it's just you, yeah. like, of course you're still mom, you're yeah. still, you know, like functioning, like, but it's minute. just, yeah. I'm only responsible for myself. Yes. I don't have to ask anybody permission. I don't have to clear anything with anybody. I don't have to, I can like walk out the door and go wherever the hell I want to go with whoever I want to go with and don't have to worry about anybody else's feelings being hurt mm -hmm. or getting upset or anything. Like there's such a freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. Such a freedom. And, and there's also like freedom and so much growth that happens mm -hmm. in that space that if you do it correctly, if you, take that time and you grow properly and you heal, right. then it just changes the entire trajectory of your future. Yeah. Like then you're like, I have this freedom. I have this peace. And if someone else is going to come into my life, then I'm still going to have that. And I think that 
that when you do experience that, when that other person comes into your life, you realize that that experience is so precious and you're mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. give it up even for another person. And, you know, been through that first round before, not going to do it again. Just kind of realize like what's really important to me. I'm not going to lose myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I get married or just dating or whatever, but my priorities are my own now. And if yours, let's hope that they mesh together. Mm-hmm. Let's hope we can grow together. But if not, then I know I'm also going to be fine on my own. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah that's so well said. You know, one of the big things that was so important to me when my husband now and I first started dating was I'm not going to carry you. We're going to be a partnership. I need a partner. I need an equal. I need somebody who's going to stand up there with me and fight the world with me, not fight against me. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be, you know, on equal footing, but I just wanted a partner so bad. Not somebody I just felt like was a third child. Right. Yeah. So well said. <laughs> it's so true though. Yeah. It's so true. Like the the things that you learn about yourself and learn to value about your own experience definitely play into who you choose going forward. Yeah. And I, I think I look for I omit that. I don't think I know I look for things that I never ever would have looked for in my past. Mm-hmm. Things that yeah. are important to me now that I never thought to pay any attention to yeah. in the past. Yeah. Eva, I'm, I'm being kind of quiet on this one and letting Cheryl run with this one. And Cheryl knows why. And again, there's a whole episode on it, but I am married to someone that I actually formed a trauma bond with. Like we, we were not supposed to work out and I don't recommend it. I, I said, I've said it before. I don't recommend um, forming a trauma bond and expecting it to work out, but somehow we fought through the trenches and we, we made it and we're so much better than, than we used to be. But that's why I'm like, when y'all are talking about those freedoms and everything, you know, that, that feeling and all that and about how you're more selective, that is, that is something that I cannot speak on. She she asked what you mean by by you were trauma bonded with him. So can you go into a little bit more detail oh, on that? Yeah. Um, okay. So well, you may need a stronger drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I met my now husband. Um, he was staying with us, and it was actually my ex husband's idea. And honest to God, like we were, like I I was I was basically a a host mother top figure to him. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything weird. Like there was nothing going on. And my husband and I at the time were going through our hardest times. And I think he thought that if he bonded with this, with this guy, instead of, you know, over hockey, cause he was a Canadian hockey player that he would, you know, find a little something. I, I honestly don't know what he was thinking, but instead of checking into his own children, he kind of checked into this guy a little bit more. Yeah. And, that, and that was exactly. And that was one of my complaints was check into your own children. And then when he moved out, I, I actually went to my now husband. But then I went I went to him and I was like, look, he was he was had some really bad family stuff going on. And the whole reason why we agreed to host him was because he had this 
really bad family situation that was going on. His mom, unfortunately, was dying of breast cancer at the time. And I I said, you know, I, I'm not going to kick you out because you're going through some shit right now. I said, but our our family is is a mess. Like we we're a fucked up mess right now. And you're trying to play professionally. Like he he's he had scouts looking at him and I'm like you're trying to go out and play professionally and my family is going to be bringing a lot of drama into your life. And he was like, "You know what? I by that time he had already been there and he had already like become really good friends with my children and kind of they became like, you know, very close to him. And actually we had an incident where it was a pretty traumatic incident where, you know, the, my ex-husband and I were fighting and the police were called and he actually took the kids and took them to a park and got them ice cream and got them out of the house and away from what was going on. And so when I had this conversation with them, he goes, I, I'm kind of invested in your family and I, if you don't mind, like I would rather stay here and be here for the kids while you and your, you know, husband like sort this shit out. And I was like, that, like, you're fine. I'll, I'll allow it, but make sure that, that you're honestly okay with that because it's going to get worse before it gets better. And he said, not, that's what I want. Well, fast forward to almost a year into it. Well, it was, it was a year into it. He started asking me out. And I would say, listen, buddy, like you're, you're adorable and I'm flattered, but I'm 20 years older than you. Like I didn't believe it honestly at first. And, and he just kept on and kept on. And I'm like, I've seen your fans. Like I've seen the girls that are around you, like get out of here, just shut up. And he kept pushing and kept pushing. And I don't want my kids to know. I don't want my family to know. But by this time, there were already rumors by this time, every single person in my family, in my church, in my friend group, everyone was already accusing me because I had a 20 year old man living with me. So clearly I wasn't capable of getting oh, a divorce. <laughs> yep. Right. I wasn't capable of getting a divorce and not touching, you know, and falling all over and having this, romantic, you know, comedy type affair. And so I, I ended up going on a date with him because my ex by that time, he was already dating and we knew we were, we were already starting the filing process. And we honestly like just never were apart after that. Like we were always together. We became, we, we started dating exclusively, kept it a secret for the longest time to protect my kids. Um, but he was still going on dealing with his mom and I was still dealing with, you know, my divorce by this time. And, and a lot of things were coming out about my marriage at that time. And I was dealing with all the rumors. And I think the more shit storm that came up around us, the more we just absolutely bonded to each other because we were each other's safe place. Like that was the only security that we both had at the time. And yeah, fast forward to, I mean, we, we've had some really bad times ourselves, but we put like in those moments, we always pulled through and we always chose each other. And so now, yeah, we're, we're a little over 20 years apart and uh, we've been married two years. Wow. But you've been together how long? We've been together seven years, almost eight years. Yeah. And so it's absolutely a, a different way of going about it, but yeah. 
But who says what's right for anybody, you know? True, true. I mean, it, it was not easy. The age gap wasn't easy. The him being, you know, he, he went on to play semi-pro hockey and traveled a lot. And there's, you know, professional athletes, there's a whole thing with that that I won't go into. But it was not easy at all. But we we figured it out. Like, we always, whenever we were up on the edge of a cliff and and you don't know how many times we said, okay, you go your way, I'll go mine. Like, it, we're good. We always ended up back together because we're just better together. So this is actually funny that you start talking about this because this is really, really similar to <laughs> my husband and my story. Um, oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of ironic. But, you know, I think that side note before I get into that, um, just goes to show how many, I guess, situations that women have in common that they don't want to talk about for fear of being judged. Yeah. You know, so true. Yeah. That so true. once you open up and you're like, Oh my God, I, I can totally relate to that for this reason and this reason, this reason. And I did this and yeah, I felt like an awful person. And that's why I felt I could never probably talk about things, but we have so much, we, like we have all this in common, you know? Yes. Yes, we do. We do. And all the rumors that were going around about me, I mean, as soon as we came out as actually dating, everyone felt so justified and it bothered me at first. I called it. I called it. I told it. you. I told you. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah, totally. And at first it bothered me. And it, it, what's funny is it was actually my husband that said, Hey, Hey babe, like, why do you care? Let's, let's give, let's give them even more to talk about. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of like that. You're right. Like, <laughs> and then that's when I got like just blatant with it. And everybody was, everybody, you know, would make comments. Oh, well, you've got the young, hotter man. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. You're right. right I do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I do. Wow. But more importantly, like age difference aside and the way that it unfolded aside, y'all are healthy as hell. Yeah, we are. We are. And I mean, we we still have moments, but we have a, the same kind of moments that any marriage would have. You know, well, everyone has moments, yeah. but but you handle them in such a healthy way because I definitely have been present for some of those. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> honestly, so my husband now and I started in a somewhat similar-ish fashion. In that, I mean, I'll be real because so many women are doing it or, or not doing it, but like deal with this. But I mean, I was still married to my ex-husband when my husband now and I reconnected. We had known each other for many, many years before we actually went to high school together. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh that's such a cute story. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Um, Did you date in high school? Oh God, no, there's a story. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we each, we had gone our separate ways and each gotten married and had kids and, reconnected um right at the time when my husband then my now ex-husband um and i were definitely three quarters of the way down the road to getting divorced mm -hmm. um i was feeling all those feelings and trying to figure out you know we talked earlier about how do you know yeah and what do you do when you're trying to figure things out um when husband now and I reconnected and I found out that he was divorced and already been through that I kind of immediately latched on to that and was like 
what was your experience like? Mm -hmm. How did, how did you know, what did you do? Like, I wanted to talk about it all the time because I wanted to feel like, or I wanted to know what it was going to be like when I finally made that jump. Cause I knew I was going to make that jump, but I was mm -hmm. so scared. I was like, I just, I kind of need to know what it's like. What was your experience? And of course, everybody's experience is different, but that kind of started bringing us together. And then I, you know, called it and left my then husband at the time, but kind of in very much in the same situation. Like we had already started kind of bonding, but then I was like, nope, nope, this is not going to work. You know, too many reasons. Yeah. Kids, you yep. have a daughter. Um, this is too soon. It's too soon. Every, you know, everybody's going to say shit and right. whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but also on the other hand, it was like, I just felt so different and so strong. We had so many conversations about what we wanted out of each other and, or not even each other, but just out of a healthy relationship, um, what we were looking for and what we had been through and it just really kind of bonded us together. And so in that we got together like pretty quick, Okay, <laughs> but you know, he, he definitely gave me the space that I needed to kind of heal and, and move forward. But that also endeared me more to him, you know, oh, I'm just, sure. yeah. you know it made me like, Oh my God, thank you so much for like treating me so differently and so much with so much more respect. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and that it just made me so much more attracted to him. Oh, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. And so I I left my first husband in 2009. Our divorce was final in April, May of 2010. And we got married in 2011. I mean, we knew right away. And we've been, I mean, we're going to have our 12th year. So in our relationship, I mean, it's so funny because so many people are basically like, oh, y'all's relationship is goals. Y'all are goals, you know, because we work together all the time. We, are, we literally are married and we own businesses together and work together. And not many couples can do that. No, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but we have made it work for so long that we actually are not good when we're not together. Yeah. Um, that sounds so much like you and your hubby. It is so true. <laughs> There was, there was a really bad year that we had because I, when the whole brewery thing was taken so long, well, you know, the money's only going to go so far. Right. So yeah. one of us can like keep developing it, but we do have to have an income. Right. So I went to work for a competitor of the company that we had sold and it was the worst decision. I mean, wow. it was there were so many things that got in the way of us. It really affected our marriage very, very deeply. Um, but it also made me realize that I don't want to do anything else with anybody else. You know, yeah. I, I, he's, he's my person. He's, he's my husband, my lover, my best friend, my partner, my equal, my business partner, my, you know, person that I bounce ideas off with all day, every day. And, for us to be apart, it's like we we're chopping off a limb from each other at Aww. this point, you know. I know it sounds oh no, <laughs> that's exactly how it is over. I mean, with us, with my husband and I, like we we are just better together. And in those moments where we aren't, like we both 
we both kind of struggle because it, and, and I don't mean that in a cheesy way, like, but we do because that is our best friend. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. This is going to sound weird, but maybe not to dog moms. One of the biggest things that helped me get through my divorce was my dog. Yes. Just being able to like lay there in the middle of the night and just like snuggle and cuddle and cry mm -hmm. into my dog. I cried you know? into the dog that I had yes. at the time. So and she smart. was just like, just, you know, dogs are so much better than humans. They are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but mine was my like i've always had dogs but my divorce companion um was my cat i had a cat for 17 years i adopted wow. her when we lived in the caribbean because my ex went to medical school there and we just like that cat was so emotionally in tune with me and if wow. i was laying in bed crying she had to be right next to me yeah. purring yeah. like just to yeah. soothe me yeah so I guess maybe that's my piece of advice is if you're going through a divorce, get a pet. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like an emotional support animal. Yeah. Don't go find toxic single people out there. Yes. <laughs> emotional support animal. Get a pet. Well, <laughs> so true. Eva, so true. I, I just want to thank you so much. Like, honestly, thank you so much for reaching out and being willing to share your story and be on our podcast. Like, I feel like this is a, a friendship that's going to last. I oh, agree. definitely. I agree. Yeah, I agree. This has been so much fun. Hey, and there's beer flowing whenever you need it. Okay. <laughs> this is definitely the place to come. It's the coolest atmosphere. And uh, anyone who, I know we have a, a decent amount of listeners in the um, DFW Metroplex. Yep. So if you have not been to Siren Rock in Rockwell, you have to come check it out. Coolest place ever. Yes. Aww. Well, thank you so much. And y'all enjoy y'all's little visit and whatever y'all are going to do after. I'm going to go walk my dog. But thank you, Eva, again. And we look forward to more times, uh, more too. Yeah, more interactions for sure. This is the beginning of a good friendship. I yes. can feel it. I love it. And I can't wait to try your beer. <laughs> I'll, I'll yes. bring some down next weekend. For yes. <laughs> Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye.